Good morning. Uh, I, I need to take a minute just to kind of process what's going on here this morning. Um, I was so grateful today that uh, Patrick was able to ride with me to our sanctuary today. We have permission, according to the, the governor's latest orders, to uh, gather a small team of us here and stream our worship service so that you can participate from wherever you are. We're glad for that, but there's still a sense of real loneliness to, to be driving down the road and there are no cars and there's no place to stop to grab a bite for breakfast and go in and, and you're headed toward a sanctuary that has more cardboard cutouts of people in it than real people. And uh, man, it did my heart so much good to see members of our congregation doing the scripture readings this morning and uh, prayers and other things. And uh, I was amazed at how, how much that moved me and, and kind of gave me, a, gave me a moment to pause and just be thankful for you wherever you are and reminded me why we are here this morning. So let's take a moment and pray before we dive into this morning's sermon. Father, would you be with us wherever we are today? Some of us are feeling very lonely and cut off from others. Maybe some are worshiping literally alone. There's no one else to gather with them in the place where they are participating in this worship service. Maybe others are together with other people, but their hearts still feel far away from others. And and some might be just trying to hold that feeling of loneliness at arm's length and not really let it set in, would you take down all the shields that we're using to protect ourselves so that we can fully experience your closeness and nearness to us? Would you send the Holy Spirit to be with us and to teach us from the scriptures today? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we've been learning over the past few weeks about evangelism. That's our calling as believers in Jesus to speak good news about Jesus and what God is doing in the world through him to restore the world. We learned last week that this good news that Jesus uh, brings into the world and and that we share with other people is not one-dimensional. It's not narrow. It doesn't focus on just one kind of person or one kind of need. We saw last week that it answers the deepest longings of every human heart, longings like freedom from guilt and shame. Good news about Jesus addresses that longing. Also, the longing for power to grow and change so that we can be different, more mature people, and the longing that we have that one day there will be an end to pain in this world the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the good news that we hear from Jesus and through him, and the good news that we share with our world, with our neighbors, that good news addresses all of those needs, all of those longings. Today, we're going to be looking at a scripture text that focuses especially on, on that need for growth and change. We're going to be reading about the apostle Peter. Peter for a time, along with many in the early decades of the church, resisted the idea that people who weren't Jewish really could belong to the family of God, that somehow you might need to prove that you were good enough to belong to God's family, and uh, a sense that, that people who weren't Jewish were somehow off limits. 
And uh, Jesus had said that this wasn't true. Jesus had clearly said that there was a calling to share this good news about him with people in every nation, people from every kind of background. And yet still, Peter and others had pockets in their hearts of resistance to that calling. So the Holy Spirit wants to change Peter. And in order to do that, he gives him this great opportunity to speak good news about Jesus to a Roman soldier, a Roman soldier named Cornelius, who has gathered all of his family and many of his friends in his home, and they're waiting, maybe for days, for Peter to arrive. And the good news that Peter shares has power to change Cornelius and all those who are gathered with him to hear that good news. But it also has the power to change Peter as he speaks it. That's what we want to see this morning and learn. Uh, Now we're going to hear our scripture reading from Acts chapter 10. Our scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 45. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that is sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that anyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you heard about it or saw it, but on March 10th, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands uh, was participating in a conference about how to respond to the coronavirus crisis. He had just announced a no-handshake policy, social distancing. He immediately turned around at the end of his announcement shook the hand of the health minister who was there on stage with him for the announcement, and then they kind of awkwardly realized that they just said we should stop doing that, and they tried really hard to model something safer and healthier. You get a sense that this man, the prime minister of the Netherlands, really was deeply and sincerely convinced 
that it's a good idea to stop shaking hands with people in order to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on international television making this announcement uh, from a podium, an official announcement on the part of his government. He really does believe this is a good idea, and yet there's something about his heart and his habits that's still resisting that change. He's embraced it. He's convinced of it. He knows it's true. He knows it's good. And yet, there's still something about him that resists it. Today's scripture passage shows us that same kind of dynamic. It's possible to really deeply, sincerely embrace the good news about Jesus and still resist some of the implications of that good news. So we want to unpack that dynamic from Acts chapter 10 this morning. The first place we'll start is simply to say that we need the good news about Jesus to change us. Sometimes people think that Christians believe that, that the gospel, that the good news about Jesus needs to change people who don't yet believe it. Now, Christians do embrace that truth. That, that this gospel that has power to save people, it has power to, to free people from guilt and shame, it has power to enable people to grow and change, it has power to give us hope that one day there will be an end to pain. The gospel really does have that kind of power in it and it brings that truth into the lives of people who are believing it for the first time. But even people who have already embraced it, who have already deeply, sincerely said, I want to follow Jesus. I believe everything about him. This gospel is mine. Even we need to be changed by the good news about Jesus. Let's look at Peter, this apostle, this leader in the early church, and take him as a case study. Uh, Peter obviously believes and embraces the good news about Jesus. Uh, By the time we get to this point in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10, Peter has already been arrested twice. And each time he is told, stop talking about Jesus. And each time Peter goes right back to sharing this good news about Jesus with other people. Now, if Peter didn't really believe that this message about Jesus is true, what's the likelihood that he's going to keep speaking about Jesus after he's been arrested multiple times? It's clear that the Apostle Peter really does deeply embrace the gospel message about Jesus. He really does believe that Jesus is Lord of all. That's not uh, something that Peter holds lightly or loosely. And yet, there is still resistance within his heart and his habits. He has not yet fully embraced all the implications of this gospel that he believes How do we know that? Well, as you read through Acts chapter 10, you start to see the the points at which Peter is resisting. So the Holy Spirit is going to use this opportunity Peter has to go from the town where he is, a town called Joppa, several miles away to another town, Caesarea. Caesarea is the the Roman capital of the province of uh, Judea. And so there are Roman soldiers stationed there, and the commander, Cornelius, this Roman soldier who's friendly to Judaism, who's started to believe in God, but hasn't yet heard the good news about Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to change Peter by giving him a chance to travel to Cornelius' home 
and share this good news about Jesus with Cornelius and his family and his friends. And to prepare Peter for this opportunity, the Holy Spirit gives Peter a vision. We didn't read about it today, but if you read the earlier parts of Acts chapter 10, you read about this vision. Peter sees a vision about foods. Some foods that he sees in his vision are clean according to Old Testament commandments, and some are unclean, impure, or common would be another word used to describe them. And the Old Testament law said that you shouldn't eat those. And so Peter sees this vision, and he's commanded by the Lord to eat some of these unclean foods. And Peter says, no way, Lord, I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. I'm not going to start right now. Well, this happens another time. And Peter says, no way, Lord. And it happens a third time. And Peter says, no way, Lord. And about the time Peter is saying, no way, Lord, for the third time and wondering what all this means, there's a knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Some people have come from Cornelius' house to ask Peter if he would travel there and share the good news about Jesus. So Peter's starting to get a hint that, oh, this vision isn't really about food, it's about people. Are there any unclean, common, impure people? And so Peter is wrestling with this. He's, he's not sure he wants to believe it, embrace it, but he starts down the path of obedience. He invites these messengers into his home, and then he says the next day, I'll go with you to Cornelius' house. And then he gets there, and something else happens that shows us that Peter is still not fully embracing the implications of this good news. Now, I'm going to read this verse. It's, it's verse 28 of Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read it from the ESV translation, and then we're going to have to unpack it a bit because no English translation can fully capture all of the implications of the language Peter is using. Peter gets to Cornelius' house, and he says, first thing he says to them, verse 28, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Oh, it sounds like Peter is starting to clue in. This resistance is melting, right? I shouldn't call anyone impure or unclean. All right, I have to pause here for a moment and say, I've been waiting 10 years to preach this sermon. When I first started studying this text and realized what was going on here and realized, realized that the apostle Peter still needs the gospel to change him and that even as he is preaching this good news to these people in Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit is working to change him, it, it just blew my mind. And it said to me, how much am I like that? I need the, the very thing that I'm called to speak to others. I need it to change me. Well, how do we know Peter needed that change? I mean, isn't he already changing? God has shown me I shouldn't call any person common or unclean. Yeah, but let's look at the language he used earlier in verse 28. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew Unlawful doesn't begin to capture the, the meaning of that word in uh, Jews of Peter's day. This, this was a word that was used to describe something disgusting, 
This was a, used, a word used to describe how, how Jewish people felt about idolatry. Right? It's not just unlawful. It's not just a bad idea. This is something that I am forbidden to do because I am such a good religious person and it disgusts me even to think about it. And then he says it's unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. Now, to you and me, another nation just sounds like, well, you know, somebody who's of a different ethnicity or race or nationality. But again, if you were to read Jewish literature from this time and see how this language is used, look at the the Old Testament and see how this language is used. It's not used just to talk about someone who isn't Jewish. It's used to talk about somebody who's an ungodly Gentile wretch. So this is the equivalent of Peter showing up at Cornelius' house and saying, you know, you guys know that it's absolutely forbidden for a religious person like me to do something as disgusting as associate with ungodly Gentile wretches like you, but guess what? I have now learned that I shouldn't call anybody common or unclean. It's a little bit like a a little kid coming up to uh, his or her neighbor and saying, Mrs. Smith, I just want you to know that my mom says I should love you even though you're so hideously ugly. And in fact, here's the good news. I've started to love you so much that I've almost forgotten how hideously ugly you are and that big ugly wart on the end of your nose, I can't even see it anymore. Well, that little kid is starting to get it, right? He's, he's starting to get that he should love his neighbor. He's starting to get that, that outward appearance doesn't totally define a person or a relationship. And yet, the very fact, the language he's using to describe that love shows that he hasn't fully grasped all the implications. That's where the Apostle Peter is in this text. That's where you and I often find ourselves we have, we have embraced the good news about Jesus, but we have not yet fully understood all of its implications. We still need this good news about Jesus to change us in profound and deep ways. Let me take a moment just to speak to a couple groups of us. Some of us, some of us feel like, you know, if I were a real, really a Christian, I would have fully embraced all the implications of the good news about Jesus. But because I still need to grow and change, I must not even really be a Christian. I should just give up on the whole thing. I see a lot of young people in that sort of phase. Like, if if I can't be a perfectly mature Christian, if there's any hypocrisy or inconsistency in my life, then the whole thing must be a sham and I should just walk away from Jesus. Jesus doesn't believe that. Jesus knows that all of his followers aren't perfectly mature on day one of their commitment to him. Jesus still shows patience even for someone like Peter who has heard time and time again, Peter, nobody's off limits for this good news. Peter's still struggling to see the implications. There's another group of us that that sometimes feel like, well, if I really am a Christian, then I must not need to grow and change anymore, 
right? And, be, and because my faith is real, I must be pretty much complete. And therefore, everything I like must be something Jesus approves of. Every decision I make must be something Jesus would embrace because I don't need to grow and change that much. Jesus doesn't believe that. If you've deeply, sincerely embraced good news about Jesus, wonderful. Keep doing so. Because we all need to be changed by the good news about Jesus. Whether we've never heard it and embraced it before or whether we've heard it and embraced, and embraced it many years ago, we still need it to continue its work of shaping us. Well, here's what else we learned from our scripture passage today. We need the good news about Jesus to change us. Well, guess what? The good news about Jesus can change anything. What is that good news? Here is just a quick summary of the good news that Peter preaches to Cornelius and his household. If you look in Acts chapter 10, and starting with verse 36, Peter basically gives a 90-second summary. It, It takes 90 seconds to read this. If you think evangelism, sharing good news with your neighbors about Jesus, requires you to memorize a three-hour-long presentation, just, just read this passage. It takes 90 seconds. And here's a summary of the good news about Jesus. God sent Jesus into our world to bring peace and healing. Verse 36, Jesus came preaching good news of peace. And he went about doing good, says verse 38, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God sent Jesus into our world to bring peace and healing. Jesus was crucified. Peter goes on to talk about that. We were witnesses of all he did. Verse 39 says, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. And then Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected to begin the healing of the whole world. Verse 41, uh, verse 40, God raised him on the third day and made him to appear to people who, who were witnesses of his resurrection after he rose from the dead. And then the gifts that Jesus brings into our world, that peace, that healing, they are available to anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. This verses 42 and 43, he commanded us to preach to the people, testify that he's the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Quick summary of that good news. God sent Jesus into our world to bring peace and healing. Jesus was crucified. We're gonna unpack that a bit more in just a moment. Jesus was resurrected to begin the process of healing the whole world. And the gifts that Jesus offers are available to anybody who trusts in him. Why was Jesus crucified? Jesus was crucified to give us peace with God. How do we know that? The way that Peter describes the crucifixion here, notice verse 39. It doesn't say they put him to death by crucifying him. It doesn't say they crucified him. It says they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. The Old Testament uses that phrase several times. Someone being hung on a tree has a specific meaning. 
in the mind of someone like Peter who knows the Old Testament. Hanging on a tree was a sign of utter defeat, a sign that traitors had been identified among the people and absolutely conquered, that enemies had been totally put not only to death but to shame. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 21 says that someone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. Someone like Peter would have known the Old Testament law that says if you touch a dead body, if you touch a corpse, you will be unclean, impure for seven days. There are rituals to atone for that kind of impurity. But if you're hung on a tree, there's no ritual for that. What happens if you not only touch a corpse, but you become the corpse? That's what Jesus did. Jesus embodied what it means to be God's utter enemy, defeated. Jesus died like somebody who was a traitor to God. Jesus embodied everything about impurity, everything about uncleanness. Jesus embodied curse. And then something happened. God raised him from the dead. And somewhere in Acts chapter 10, I I couldn't pinpoint it for you. I don't know if it's earlier in the chapter or if it's right here at this transition between verses 39 and 40. That's what I tend to think, but I'm not certain. But somewhere in this chapter, Peter had an aha moment. And he said, wait a second. Wait a second. If the Holy Spirit has enough power to raise a dead person back to resurrection life, if the Holy Spirit has enough power to to take someone who has died under God's curse and make that person Lord of all, if the Holy Spirit has that kind of power, then the Holy Spirit can, can make anyone clean and pure then there is no limit to who can be brought and made acceptable to God by this good news about Jesus. And that means there's no limit to the power that the Holy Spirit has to change me. Even as I speak this good news, it can change me. The aha moment that says, if the resurrection of Jesus can heal something as, as broken and, and marred by curse as crucifixion, as being hung on a tree, then there is no limit to God's power to change people, to God's power to heal this broken world. And that's really the thing that we want to learn together today. Good news about Jesus can change anything. The good news about Jesus can change us when we speak it. You see that happening in the life of the Apostle Peter as you read this chapter. Peter begins the story fully convinced of this good news about Jesus, he has embraced it deeply but he hasn't yet fully understood all the implications of it. He's still resisting. 
No, God, those people are still too unclean. No, God, somebody religious like me cannot associate with a a heathen Gentile. It's disgusting. And I can't shake that sense. I need to be changed. I need to grow. And by the end of this chapter, Peter is the one saying, baptize these people. They're part of my family. Baptize these people. They belong to Jesus. The good news that God gives us to speak to our neighbors has power to change our neighbors. But it also has power to change us. Let me encourage you that 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 is a legitimate motivation for sharing the gospel with other people. Do you want to see it have an impact on them and change them? Absolutely, yes. But whatever it effect it has on other people. Speaking this good news can change you. So you may never have heard the name of Jennifer Mills. She's a teacher from the state of Ohio, high school teacher. In an interview, she was asked, along with others, what do you love about teaching? Why do you teach? Why are you a teacher? And her response was, what you might expect to hear from somebody who's enthusiastic about their career in teaching. There is no greater profession. Great, that's what I expect to hear a teacher say. I love working with youth and seeing the difference I can make in their lives. But here's what caught my eye when I read her statement. She, she said this, I have a passion for learning as well as sharing my knowledge with others. Do you hear that, that two-fold rhythm here? I want my students to learn. I want what I'm teaching to have an impact on them. I want it to change them. But one of the reasons I'm so excited to be a teacher is I love to learn. The stuff I'm teaching is something I'm excited about. I need it to change me too. That's what we hear from Jesus That the good news that he gives us to share with other people, to share with our neighbors, to share with our world, it's for us too. Like a good teacher, we want to serve and love other people by by introducing them to this life-changing reality of who Jesus is. But as we do that, it changes us. Put very simply, One of the reasons we want to speak good news about Jesus is because we want to hear good news about Jesus. Let's pause and pray together. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you for your goodness. You have come into the world to bring peace. You've come into the world to bring healing. You have come into the world to bring forgiveness. And you've come into the world to continue patiently walking with people who already know you, changing us so that we can grow. Lord, give us courage to speak the good news about you. And as we do, to hear it and embrace it more deeply for ourselves. We pray in your name. Amen.